Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 13th of August 2010. As always at the start of this show, and those who listen to these shows the next day can always skip this part, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they want to, in fact. I always promote the website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, where you can go in and find hundreds of audios that I've put up there over the years where I try to show you the, the big picture. It's beyond politics. It's beyond all the showbiz politics that we see down below. And I, I show you many of the organizations that are working towards this wonderful utopia of theirs in which we don't really factor, at least most of us don't anyway. And it's a long-term goal. It's been on the, goal, goal, on the way for hundreds of years. And so we're always looking for the final apocalypse to, to happen. It doesn't happen that way. It's always a gradual thing, sometimes with a, big, a bigger push, with a war or a world war or something. But mainly it's a gradual, incremental type of world order. But they do know where they're going, and they're certainly in a, a bigger rush than they used to be because they can smell the end of this part of it. And this is only one part of it we're going through now. And even the, the post-depopulation part, uh, again, is, is still one part of it. This is a never-ending story for the survival of the fittest, as they see themselves. And um, they've got lots of data they put out themselves from their own top um, sources or organizations all about this, how they must survive into the future. And, of course, Darwin had a lot to do with it, too. He was one of their boys that was put out there to try and legitimize what they already believed. So I've gone to the website and remember and buy the books I've got for sale because that makes me uh, keep going over here, ticking it over. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can purchase these books, which are different from the usual rubbish that you get on history. And uh, I show you how to deprogram yourself as you read, actually. So buy the books. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check or an international postal money order. You can also use PayPal to order. Just use the, the donation button and then send a separate email with your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. Across the rest of the world, remember, you can use Western Union as well as a previous. Well, you can't use personal checks to Canada outside the Americas, uh, but you can use Western Union, um, you can use MoneyGram, you can use PayPal to order or to donate, same sort of thing, or cash. Some people just send cash. And at the moment, it's still accepted, even though they've said at the top banks in Canada and the States, within about three years, there won't be any cash around. It'll all be cashless. And that's the whole intent of this controlled society, very ultimately controlled to, to the minutest detail in your personal life. That's what it's all about right now. But um, as I say, you've got to help support me because I'm not supported by the advertisers. I don't take money from advertisers. For a paycheck, I don't take uh, money to, to bring them on as guests. There's a lot of money to be made in that, certainly. It's up to you, the listener, if you like what you hear here. And I've nothing else to push. I don't push politics at all. I'm above politics. And that's one thing you'll learn if you listen to this show. You get beyond politics and the, the circus they give us down below.
if politics work, worked, uh, every country that's gone downhill would be a, in a different shape than, than they are today. How come they're all feeling incredibly at the same time, in the same exact fashions, by the same parties? Hmm? So it's a show for the public. It's a circus for the public. I've got into the history of some of those who really control the world, the organizations. They've been on the go for a long time, uh, down through the centuries. They change their name uh, sometimes of their, their various main group. Uh, like the, today it's the Council on Foreign Relations or the Royal Institute of International Affairs, um, who also control the European parliaments. But they also control the Canadian Parliament, Australian Parliament, New Zealand Parliament, the U.S. Parliament. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. I always explain the matrix is a system you're born into which you take for granted. It must be normal because it exists and everything in it must be normal because it exists and of course your parents think so too. If they can't warn the offspring, the offspring will take everything as, as for granted quite naturally and that's the same for all mammals. Even in the wild you'll find that mammals uh, actually teach the young what to be afraid of, what is their enemy and so on. And uh, if they don't teach them that, well, little bears walk up to you and uh, mummy isn't too happy when she sees uh, you getting too close. That's the reality of life for all mammals, as I say. But the trick has been going on for an awful, awful long time. Awful long time. Politicians have never told the truth to the public, I believe. Uh, ever. I don't really believe they have. Even in ancient times, too, uh, some of the writers, for instance, in ancient Greece and in Rome, Woods writes about the shenanigans of the different orators who spoke on behalf of the elite in those days. You'd hire an orator. Today, they just hire a scriptwriter. In those days, they actually had a guy who went out in front of you and spoke for you. And um, they were very good. They were awfully good in their techniques and could sway audiences one way or another. They were so good at what they did when it was really down to a fine, fine art. But... Um, they were called all kinds of names as well when they spoke on behalf of their masters and promised them wonderful things ahead and brought them into wars of gain for a few and stuff like that. So it was the same old techniques used back then as well. A long time ago in ancient times too, you find people looked at uh, power itself because there are people born in every generation who really crave power. And it's not just for riches in itself. But they crave power, and, and they'll often do it uh, through military. Even even before they really have real armies, uh, some guy would arise and try to get the local band to, to follow him into battle and conquer something and take something over. But he always needed uh, more and more men, and men tend to get fed up and go home, unless you have a monetary system in place. So uh, there were other people who realized that money was a key to everything. If you run money... Uh, then the military and politics and everything else fell into your pocket, naturally. So the systems always existed, coexisted down through the ages. Money always trumped, of course, and that's how it is today. It's the same, same thing. That's why Rothschild himself, uh, when he was offered you know, uh, to run the, the British bank, the central bank, he says, um, just give me control of the money. I don't care you know, what, 
politics or a major who makes the laws, because obviously they'd have to be his men in the first place. They'd all have to come to him for loans for the country. That was the whole idea of having the central bank established in those times. So money always triumphs. But it's not just money. See, we always think when we see some scam going on, some giant scam, that it's, it, we can understand greed. We understand greed, you see. But uh, so we, we tend to use that and, and cover all the, the nasty things that are happening. It's just pure greed that they, they're putting out GMO foods, for instance. That's all it is, you think, for bigger bucks for them and making things easier and cheaper or or whatever it happens to be. Or, or the inoculations, the mass inoculations that the big pharmas managed to con. Well, they didn't really con the governments. I, I, I believe they're all working in collusion, to be honest with you. And they use billions of dollars of taxpayers' money to get these vaccines, which are useless, for a, a flu that didn't even exist. Um, we understand that part, but what is the real intent of it, apart from making money? Money is a secondary object. Uh, it's, it's really to get something else into your system. People would rather believe it's just greed before they, they'll come to the second part and say, well, maybe they wanted to inject something else into us. That's our nature. We'll, we tend to look at the, the brighter side. We're egocentric, as they say, and we're also egocentric. We've been trained to be. Don't look at the negative, look at the positive. And uh, we've also been trained in a social system, which is true socialism, which really means that uh, you're trained to believe that there are special people who are better than you, uh, who are come out of different wombs and who are up there to serve you better and, and take care of big, big problems which are too difficult for you to understand and leave it all to them and they'll make everything all right. That's how we're basically trained. And we don't realize now that we're post-democratic, not that they've ever had democracy, but we're post-democratic. Before that, they give us uh, the semblance of having an input into big affairs that were going to affect us. But it always came down to just vote in this party or vote in that party according to what they promised. And it's no secret that if you promise the, the world to the masses, the masses will take it. They never get it, of course, but uh, they, get the, they certainly get the shysters that get in, the ones that they vote for. But you've had one agenda continuing on over centuries, uh, party after party, and the same agenda goes on. They don't toss out the last bunches, bad laws, and start afresh. No, they keep them going and add more to them along the same direction. Well, something stinks, obviously, when that goes on. And as I've said many times, Jefferson pointed this out. That when you see the same, an agenda basically going on from party to party as they change the House of Congress from one to the other, the same agenda goes on, then you'll know you're under tyranny. And that's exactly what's been going on for an awful long time. As I say, Professor Carl Quigley documented his heroes that he worked for, really, his real bosses, uh, the, the CFR and the Royal Institute of International Affairs, and in two books, Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American Establishment. And he was all for them bringing in this wonderful utopia for those who were fittest to survive. He believing, of course, he was one of them. And he documented a lot of the stuff they'd been up to. He said that um, they had such an impact on directing history and directing the world, including world wars. They had so much to do with it 
uh, that it should, it should not be left in secret. He says it's time the public knew. I mean, he, well, he thought the public would praise them, to be honest with you. So that's what runs the world. And, of course, those guys themselves uh, are run at the top by a capstone. They love pyramids and phallic symbols and stuff down through the ages. But they have a capstone, and we do know that near the capstone are the international bankers, and those who formed the, the original Royal Institute of International Affairs were international bankers with a particular um, inner religion of their own, a club, you might say, or a sect. And they've run the world this way ever since. They do believe that science, if there is any deity out there, that science will lead them to it. They believe that nature has to be basically dissected, torn apart, understood, and then rearranged for power for themselves. And they also say that they're, they're here to perfect that which was left imperfect. That is the world and everything in it. So genetic um, interference and so on is right up their alley. Uh, this is all part of their traditional religion. It's very, very old, by the way, very old indeed. But they needed our help along the ways to help break down their sciences for them and perfect it because everything is knowledge, knowledge is power, and that's what they use. When you realize that universities for an awful long time have been used for, uh, I hate the word research. Research means that you're doing a research on something that obviously was searched before. But they do use them on certain cutting-edge technologies by giving them grants. They tell them, they direct them. You don't get a grant and say, I'll go off and do this with it. No, that's not how science has ever worked. They all make their living off grants, and they're told what direction to go in. And perhaps sometimes they're told what the purpose is, not very often. Because all the information that they glean from all the different studies is, is goes upwards, upwards and upwards and upwards to the ruling bunch, you see, who then put that knowledge together and find ways to bring about what they claim is their new world order, their utopia, as I say, a place where the fittest will go on. And the reason that you're hearing so much today about sustainability and um, resources, depletion of resources, all that kind of stuff. This is part of their religion that is very ancient, very ancient. And they do believe that if there were too many of the wrong kind of people, the useless eaters on the world, uh, gobbling up their resources, they see the world as theirs, uh, then the unfit should be eliminated so that the fittest and their children and their offspring for generations can continue. That's what this is all about. They've used us to bring in this world order, as I say. They've used us for centuries. And we have fought their wars for them. We have standardized the world under one system. They're all identical systems, basically, with central banks under the World Bank, with the same kind of politics, with two parties, and so on. It's all been pretty well done. And now they're ready to bring all together under the global government, which we really are already under. So we're into a very critical phase for ourselves, the one, for myself too. I'm speaking as one of you. Um, I've never had an invitation to come through the, the, the portal with them, you might say, into their new order. But um, 
we've all apparently to get brought down into uh, uh, dire straits monetarily only if we believe in na- national debts. Personally, I don't. I think it's all bunkum. Uh, to sit and starve because money st- stops flowing is a banker's con. If you can still work and, and make things or do things, there's no reason why you can't continue. But people will sit around and die, literally, if the money is withdrawn. How mad can you be? I mean, how indoctrinated, how incredibly indoctrinated can you be to allow that kind of thing to happen? But people will. Look at the Great Depression. Banks fail in Germany and other places, and suddenly it's supposed to sweep across the whole world because a few banks failed initially, and you're supposed to just uh, uh, give everything back to the banks and jump on your jalopy and look for some tent to live in and starve quietly to death because no money's flowing. Back with more after this. I'm back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Talking about this crazy thing called money, where everything's supposed to stop, we're all supposed to be just be terrified that the world's going to collapse because, you know, money's all owed to everyone else, and uh, it just goes round and round. It's all debt money, apparently, and we can't live without it, you see. This is, they can't think of anything better than that system. Isn't that something else? Well, what's a big lie, of course, the fact is they've got to keep the same system going to the, the bitter end. And what I've noticed is that um, even in the Army's report for the, for the next 30, 40 years projections, uh, they've said themselves that, that, that there'll still be money, there'll still be a, a, a debt and banking system, and they've got to protect the economic system, which means they're going to keep this darn system going forever because they've got to have a, a population now who believe we're in all in trouble for the next 30 to 40 to 50 years. In other words, it's a method of control, and as they take us down, they use this excuse to bring us down. Or there's just no money for hospitals, there's no money for this and no money for that, as they cut us back into a third world status, which was always the intention once they had standardized the whole world. What a great con game, isn't it? What a fantastic con game. And I've explained before how the banking systems work, basically. I won't do it again, it's so monotonous, but it it truly is a big con from the top to the bottom and the creation of money and the very fact that there isn't a country in the world that has to have any debt whatsoever, since every country has the ability to print its own debt-free money and sell it to the private banks, and uh, you know for a few cents per dollar, basically. And the, the banks then loan it out themselves at their particular interest rate. But there's no need for any government to go off to any foreign banks or any private banks for that matter and do it the other way around and get all of us down in trouble into their debt. None whatsoever, unless, of course, it's intentional, which it is, because it's for control purposes. And now the big bankers, whenever they speak, I should be amazed, you know, amazed, because you never saw this happening in other countries. But when Greenspan was at the head of the feds, he used to come out and it was like a royal 
presentation. That's the, the way they led up to it. Oh, Mr. Greenspan's going to make an announcement. It was though some king was going to walk out on stage and declare something. And that's how it was viewed by the people. He, he was more important than presidents or anybody else. And he'd make a little one-liner and he'd tell you to cool the stock market. Uh, very scientific, you know, very very good economics. And uh, that was it. Little, but my God, the papers would run with it. This holy man that came out and said stuff like that. And now, of course, we have a different one. And uh, they keep the con going. Because they must make us believe that we all owe this incredible, fantastic, massive, huge debt. Well, you see, you cannot owe debts personally unless you had something to do with it, taking out the loan. And since you, neither you nor I had anything to do with giving billions of dollar, dollars to China or billions of dollars to private corporations to move their businesses and their factories wholesale to China to make sure there's no work anywhere else in the West. And we had nothing to do with um, paying for China's healthcare system or India's healthcare system or anybody else's or giving billions to the United Nations either, etc., etc. Well, therefore, I, personally, I don't see that I have any responsibility to pay back anything at all. So they can scratch my name off their list at the top. That's how simple it is. All it takes is for the people to say, that's it. No way. You know, no way. Throw it up, tear it up, but nothing to do with it. And whoever did the signing, stick the debt on them. Be it president or prime minister, who cares? Uh, Stick the debt on them, not yours. And why should we pay for all these wars as well that we've got nothing to do with? We'll never be told the real reasons for them. Never, ever be told the real reasons for them. But somebody's benefiting. And somebody's still to benefit when all those lands are standardized into the same dual party system with a generation. That's why they're going to be there so long in Iraq and elsewhere. They've got to raise a generation through UNESCO, brainwash them. They're already doing it. And to make sure that they can become the first leaders of that country under a so-called, so-called democratic system. The same farce as we've got. You know, we truly live in Disneyland. It's a true Disneyland. We're in a cartoon. And we're also supposed to take it so darn seriously as well. But... Sciences are used on the public. So many sciences, from psychological sciences to selling techniques through the Bernays. I've been through Bernays, and, and remember too, Bernays also worked with the government most of the time. And how he basically, supposedly, which I don't believe at all, uh, got a few tips on how he controlled the masses by his, his uncle, Freud. And... Uh, uh, You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. I get cut off every night for some reason. It happens 8.30 and just bing, it happens and we're trying to figure out what's causing it. And it's not the other end, it's not my end, but bingo, it happens every night. So I, I kind of lose where I was going. But I, I think I was talking about UNESCO and so on, raising 
a generation in those countries to be the first leaders who are all under the United Nations, of course, nice and internationalists who will go along quite happily with the bank and get their payoffs because you must have a central bank who's in debt to the big boys. Standardization of the planet, and that's what controls us. Because under this guise of, oh, we owe all this money, we can't go on, and your health care is going to suffer, and uh, everything's going to suffer, then they're going to bring down the populations. And that's the intent of it. If we had no debt at all, what, what would the excuse be then, you see? So debt means that we have to bring down our population. Really? Is that logical? So... Nefarious people certainly rule the world. They are organized. They all know each other. And they do have regular meetings to help uh, overcome any obstacles that they see coming up. Uh, They have think tanks, thousands of them working on every aspect of life and societies across the world to make sure they've got it all under control. But we are lied to and talked to like children at every bottom level. We truly, truly are. Your mainstream media is never going to tell you the truth on anything. And I've mentioned before, a lot of the stuff in the mainstream are handouts from public relations companies, like the Bernays types. Street handouts from those promotional companies into the newspaper, happily put there by journalists who, who are being, have been cut back and laid off for the last 20 years. There's very few journalists out there anymore. So they're happy to get these handouts. So they pop their name on something and, and it comes. Now we, we all chat about it. But they never tell you the whole story because they're coming from public relations companies. Their intent in marketing is to con you. That's the intent of... If marketers could never come out and say, please buy this, it works. And then they'd tell you why it would work. You never see that in any ad. They work on your emotions. You see someone smiling or, or this wonderful cars on a road uh, on a highway to nowhere on all on its own. Never another car in sight. And no cops on the road to stop them speeding. And rubbish like that. It doesn't tell you what the miles per gallon is, the horsepower, the warranties on anything. No, none of that doesn't matter. It's just the emotion. That's what they sell you. Very old technique. But the media keeps it going because they live off advertising and marketing. And they're the middlemen. Their job is not ever to tell you the whole truth about something. A good example of, of that is what happened in... Canada and the States, and has been happening for a few years, in fact, with the so-called smart meters. And I mentioned these smart meters and what the real intention of them happens to be. Now, in Canada, we did get a little explanation about five years ago that one day they may be used to cut back or help help the customer. That's how a marketer would, t- would tell you something that they want to, to, to do to you is to help you. Same as government. We're doing this to help you. And this went ahead and started putting them in where you liked them or not. There was no say. There was no choice in the matter. And it's all to come down again with sustainable development and debt and all that rubbish, you see. Now, here's an article from Australia which ties in with this because it lets it out the bag. They're more open over there as to what's going on. And this is from the Herald Sun, August the 10th, 2010. It says Victorians in Australia hit with soaring electricity bills could have their power rationed under a smart meter plan. So all you guys in the States who are wondering what it's really all about, it's nothing about you popping out to see what your kilowatt ratings happen to be that day. It's, to, it's for the big companies to start rationing your power. It's done automatically because 
these two systems in work uh, simultaneously from these meters. One is an FM transmitter. It transmits FM to the companies through relays, of course. And it also does broadband right through the electricity that you're using. We should be charging them, in fact, for passing messages back and forth to themselves using our, our buck, right? It says some companies want to choke. Here's the, here's the term they're using it. Choke or restrict amounts delivered to homes to help families, to help families cope with costs. You see? And it says, um, the Victorian electricity bills have surged in the past two years, racing ahead of inflation. Well, who knows if that's true or not? This is a statement. New meters that are being rolled out to every household and small business can ration power, ration, to control debt for individual customers. An essential services commission review, that's part of the government, I think, uh, reveals retailers are expected to push for contracts that can cap consumption as a credit management tool once all the meters are in place. Sounds very proactive, eh? Like that term, proactive. Everybody who's an executive uses proactive. Make you sick. Consumers Action Law Center Energy Spokeswoman uh, Janine Rayner said the development was very was dangerous territory. So you always have a, a, a group that appears, speaking on behalf of the public, that we didn't vote in, who always complain about what they're doing but never do anything about it. So we, we go back to sleep thinking, well, somebody's saying something, and we don't do anything at all. That's why they give us all these ones who speak on our behalf. So Consumers Action Law says uh, it's dangerous territory with all sorts of social health and safety implications that should be outlawed. The electricity market is complex and consumers don't understand how much power they're using and the different energy loads for different appliances, she said. Well, nothing will happen. So limiting kilowatts used or getting consumers to agree to a maximum dollar use could cause a spike in unintended cutoffs Curbs on heating and cooking and appliance damage, she warned. But she will, too, if you've got something heavy on the go and they just cut you right off, you know. ESC spokesman Gavin Clancy confirmed recent draft ruling had paved the way for supply capacity control. This is what they're calling it in all the different countries now, including Canada. Supply capacity control products to be used with consent. But for customers in a hardship program that's for those in welfare and so on, such restrictions could not be offered until at least December the 31st, 2013. Smart meter specialist Silver Spring Networks, that's a company, has told the ESC that choking power will be of considerable advantage to customers in financial difficulties. So it's great. You'll, you're in a financial difficulty, and they can freeze to death as well. <laughs> They'll be able to choose to reduce their consumption as a credit management tool, a submission summary notes. It's a pay we couldn't choke the same thing on the governments that borrow all this foreign day. <laughs> this would allow, for example, sufficient power to be provided at our premises uh, to run a few lights and the fridge only. So they can actually determine how much they're going to allow you to have to run whatever. Or oh, today you can only use your fridge. And tomorrow you might use something to heat the water for one wash only. I'm adding this part because this is what they're telling you, basically either as an alternative to disconnection or as an additional step prior to disconnection. The ESC said low-income customers may benefit. Oh, they benefit. See these ads, eh? More for less and all that kind of stuff. Or or, or spend and save. 
So low-income customers may benefit from these products, but the Commission is concerned that there is insufficient detail of how these products may be offered to customers. Now listen to that. Maybe They don't know how they're going to offer it to customers. And then it says a decision is due next month. Then it says the meters are being installed over three years. <laughs> so, so there's no discussion. There's no input. They're already being installed over three years. So there you go. It's a worldwide agenda. But isn't it wonderful, too, how they can put different things in different newspapers across the world, and each country will think that's just happening to us. They don't know it's a worldwide agenda going on. And, you know, they were discussing this stuff with Maurice Strong back in the 80s, the 1980s, and the early 90s, all the ways to cut back on power. Because they knew they were going to bring it all in back then. All the big boys did, all the big players, the Rockefeller boys and so on, and the UN boys knew back then they were going to bring it in now. Now. Quite something, eh? But it's okay. I mean, Canada can build can-do reactors in China because they're up and coming and that and so on. And under the GATT Treaty, we must help third world countries come up to a prosperous level. That's in the treaty. We, we must pay for them coming up, you see. Isn't that wonderful? But they can't repair the second can-do reactor in Ontario here. It's just be, just be left. And we just use less electricity. Yep. We truly have a democracy. Somewhere in space we have a democracy. Yeah. That will be the day. So that's the cons that they pull. But this is showing you how they word things by marketing companies uh, for the general sheeple. You know, that's it. And here's another one, too, about the weather. I love the weather because I've been talking about the spring that's been going on consistently since 98. They certainly tested this stuff back in the 50s. And we know that Teller, for instance, drew up plans and went to the Pentagon with ways to aerial spray stuff across the sky, metallic particles, and then use harp technology and, and pulse wave energy uh, along with it to, to modify weather and to, you know, to modify the moods of the general population. That was also touched upon by Brzezinski in his book Between Two Ages and the Technotronic Era, the chapter called the Technotronic Era, how we could control whole societies. And uh, we know, for instance, they made a treaty in the 70s. You can look it up yourself on the Internet um, at the United Nations on weather warfare. There are different names for it after that. It was originally weather warfare. And every country that had this technology signed on to it, the U.S., Canada, Britain, else, Australia. Australia has it in Pine Gap, but the U.S. runs it. And uh, China's got it too, and the Russians have it. Uh, They have sites too in Iceland and in Greenland. So they have them all over the place. They can actually use harp technology, standing wave technology, the old, old Tesla stuff, but it really does work. And they've been testing this out for a long, long time. And as I said, they have been spraying the air continuously since 98, uh, since it had all the problems worked out in the 50s and 60s by testing it back then. So it does work. Here's an article here, though, that ties in with Mail Online, and it says, Blocked jet stream. The jet stream's got constipation. Blocked jet stream to blame for freak weather in Russia and Pakistan, say scientists, the 12th of August 2010. Now remember, to standing wave technology um, and the weather warfare articles, the sign of the United Nations, also said they can alter the jet stream. They can actually alter the pattern of it, the direction of it, or bring it to a standstill, which is a standing wave. You see, you see you've got to have memory, too, to put things together as they throw these silly articles at you. 
So a massive heat wave in Russia and the current devastating floods in Pakistan could be linked to the unusual behavior of the jet stream the scientists believe. The jet stream is a high-altitude wind that circles the globe from west to east and normally pushes a series of west but mild Atlantic lows across Britain. But meteorologists who study the phenomenon say that it's producing unusual holding patterns which keep weather systems in one place and produce freak conditions. Well, no kidding. Exactly what they said in the Weather Warfare Treaty. They could do that. eh? So the jet stream is being held by the Rossby waves. I guess that's a guy that gave a name to it that normally produces its distinctive wave-like pattern. These powerful spinning world currents are used by the Earth-shaped and rotation and push the jet stream from east to west at high altitudes. Now scientists believe that the Rossby waves are acting against the jet stream's usual pattern, holding it in place according to a report in New Scientist. Since mid-July, when it would normally be moving eastwards, the jet stream has been held in one place uh, as strong Rossby waves push against it. So in other words, it causes a standing wave, and this is what they're claiming is over Russia and Pakistan, and it sucks in, as it stands there, it sort of whirls it over the top of you, it sucks in the heat from, from Africa, coming off Africa, and that's causing the heating up over the Russian areas where there's fires and so on going on. Then Pakistan has uh, mudslides, and, and they have their monsoon every year, so that they're tying that into it too, of course. But that's all in the treaty. They can do that. And in Canada, too, for the last two years, not this year, but the year before and the year before that, we had a standing wave over Ontario, and it just rained every darn day. And when you looked up on the satellite imagery, that's what you saw, exact same sort of image. It's like a spinning hurricane right over the top of you, very, very, very slow, and nothing under it moves, nothing moves, except the rain that comes straight down just constantly. But they can also heat you up just the same way with it as well. Old stuff, old technology is being used, and of course they'll, they'll bring it into global warming, or let they call it now climate change, because that gives them the leeway of going one way or the other, cold or hot, you see. But that's how it's pushed to you. This is this is really happening, and it's funny too, after I read this, I popped out aside there, and to the south of me, there's all these big trails across the sky, the usual morning trails from right across the sky, east to west, and there's the jets still laying them on there, that grid pattern, and then, of course, your, your sky turns into that whitish mush uh, stuff that's been happening for since, let's say, 98, consistently. But they'll never tell you about that part of it, the spring. You're not supposed to know about that. But they said that's, the world, that's, that's how it's presented to you, that's what I'm trying to say, how they announce things to you and treat you like children. And you will come to the conclusions. Most people will come to the conclusions they want. It must be that global warming thing or that climate change thing that's doing it. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's too many people and too much CO2. They'll probably bring that into it as well. Another thing too is this sustainability, this mantra has been taught in school, of course. It'll become the regular um, terminology with, for the rest of the populations in their uh, little wine parties where they all stand together and have a tete-a-tete. Uh, but the guy in charge of the UN, Mr. Ban, they call him now, uh, Ban Ki-moon, or jumps over the moon, I think, Ban announces high-level panel to tackle global sustainability issue. And from 9th of August, Secretary General Ban Ki-moon today unveiled a new panel on global sustainability that's tasked with finding ways to lift people out of poverty while tackling climate change. 
so poverty and climate change, you see, and ensuring that economic development is environmentally friendly. And that, that covers a wide area of, right down to these countries, in fact, if they can even have a fire to cook on. Not, not kidding. This is where they're going with all this nonsense. And he's asked the panel to think big. Well, that's really good. That's very, that's very scientific. Again, the Secretary General told the reporters in New York today, the time for narrow agendas and narrow thinking is over. Well, they've already said now, because of all the exposures of the fake climate science that was getting pumped out by guys being paid millions to pump it out, um, that they've got to have panels now to talk to the press, and the scientists can't talk directly to the press anymore. They've got to try and talk down to the people at a sixth-grade level, is what they said. So most people today, because they read the regular media, and that's all they read, are, are reading at a sixth-grade level. They've got to put it out at a sixth-grade level for us morons at the bottom. We truly are. We truly are treated like children, and, and most folk don't know that. They don't know. They haven't a clue. And they put ex-prime ministers on it too. Rudd from Australia has been shoved onto there to get a job for him. These guys never retire. They're all really part of the UN anyway. And um, that's his next job. He's on that panel as well. Then they announced that the United Nations new taxes are needed for a climate fund. So they want this global taxes, carbon taxes, add-ons to international airfares, and levies on cross-border money movements etc., are among ways being considered by a panel of the world's leading economists, well, the same guys that gets into this massive debt fiasco that we can't get out of, economists, to raise a staggering $100 billion a year to fight climate change. <laughs> ah, dear, dear, dear. It's Disneyland, isn't it? I'll be back with more after these messages. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix and tonight's a kind of a silly science night and uh, it's meant for silly people of course but isn't it amazing how again we're treated like children in every aspect of our life we're never told the truth even with these so-called smart meters but here's another thing they're leading into too and it's from uh, Fox News in New York Vending machines of the future, 11th of August Uh, Your thumbprint might soon be the key to an afternoon candy bar a Massachusetts-based vending company is joining the growing ranks of companies that are field-testing new technologies. Next-generation vending and food service is experimenting with biometric vending machines that would allow a user to tie a credit card to their thumbprint for a certain demographic that is pretty cool. Well, it's pretty cool. You can see that you can tell their marketers here. For a certain demographic that is pretty cool, says company president John S. Lonow. Next Generation is currently testing 60 of the biometric machines in various locations in the Northeast. The company is also testing other technologies, says so the key to the transforming the vending machine business is making the consumer feel more engaged. All you want is to get something to eat or drink, right? But you feel engaged with the, with the computer. The days might be numbered where a consumer watches a bag of chips roll through the machine and drop. Next Generation is also testing a machine that includes a 46-inch touchscreen display that acts similar to an iPhone display. The user can click on an item, blah, 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 see the, even the, the, the nutritional information in the backs of the packaging. But they're also putting cameras on the outside as well. I don't know if you saw that movie called Idiocracy. It's a sort of elite spin under comedy on us, where the, the unwashed masses outbreed the bright ones at the top, and that's supposed to be the future. 
and it's done under a guise of a comedy, you actually see one of these machines in there. And the camera's outside and even talks back to someone who starts kicking it and all the rest of it. Then it squirts a little gas out to calm them and they sort of stagger off all doped to the eyeballs. Well, that's basically what this thing is here. Now, you can imagine what it comes down to the state issuing the food, which it will come down to eventually, under rationing and sustainability. That's what it's all planned. That's what it's all planned down to. So you can't feed yourself anymore. You've you got, you got to put it all into the world's kitty, and it's divvied up by the United Nations. This is, this is their big plan for food, you see. And you will have to go through to these things eventually for whatever you once, of course, it's all going to be GMO or stuff like toothpaste that is going to be a, a complete meal, as I tell you. And we all sort of die off all the quicker, I'm sure, as we go down the tubes. They'll call it very humane way of putting us out of our misery, mind you, at the top. Fairly, fairly painless. But it says here, the machines include internally mounted cameras to monitor what's going on outside the machine. And then it goes on about other things that they're testing out and all the rest of it, too. And then even down to iris scans as well, that's going to be part of it. It mentions down near down at the bottom. So science is just wonderful, isn't it? It's amazing how it's always used along the same direction of control, isn't it? Everything that you used to be able to do independently is removed from your ability to be independent. And in this new system coming up, you're going to be an authorized citizen who must be a goody two-shoes all the time, or you won't be able to get your little candy snack or your food out of that little machine there, or any other goodies that you have to, even money to pay a rent in your Agenda 21 society, your little community you'll be living in. Rental only is what they say, no private property. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>